Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman from Jacksonville, joined as always by May Finch, also from Jacksonville. Hello, hello. Now for our uh, our visual uh, enjoyers of the podcast, you may notice that May is, uh, is, is quite still right now, stone still, almost <laughs> as if she's merely a photograph uh so may i will let you uh give a brief explanation yeah, for so that i'm actually on location i am at the apartment complex <laughs> where we've had this unusual breakout uh no i got celiacs and i got gluten um which is my way of saying i got food poisoning from eating bread um <laughs> so yeah i uh, i'm sick as a dog and i look it so i will be appearing in voice only today well, we certainly appreciate it, and we're very sorry about your the the glutening, as it were. Um, you know that's uh, that's unfortunate, but we're happy to have you here. Happy to have a distraction. <laughs> and of course, uh, last but not least, we have Will Rotondi from Greenville, South Carolina. Hello. All right. It is. Um, uh, it's a slightly different uh, recording day and time for us here. We're actually doing this on a Thursday evening, a rainy Thursday evening here in Jacksonville, where I'm at anyway. Um, I, not really like I would say even an hour ago, just got finished watching our film of the show, which is Wreck, uh, found footage horror film. So we'll be doing a bullet time a little bit later, uh, talking about the final stretch, the finale of that film, uh, which, uh, as a reminder, was one of Will's nominations. We'll also be drawing a side quest as always. But first, uh, hot off the press, we have a, <laughs> a new trailer launching out of Comic-Con for Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, uh, starring Michelle Rodriguez, Chris Pine. Who else is in the cast? Somebody help me out here. I should have pulled that up, but I didn't. Uh, I just, um... We have uh, Regé Jane, uh, sorry, Regé Jean Page, who is of mm -hmm. Bridgerton fame, who's going to be playing a fighter in the new movie uh justice smith who's playing a powerful mage and a shape-changing druid played by sophia lillis very excited for this cast list especially since chris pine will be playing a bard a la his performance <laughs> in into the woods so stoked <laughs> well, this was, I, did i see a hugh grant in the trailer as well i think i spied a hugh yes. grant. he did show up yeah, yeah. i think he is the antagonist or at least one of them Excellent. So let's go quickly just around the room and give some general like 30 second impressions. You know, uh, what'd you make of the trailer? So I brought this up because I'm very excited. I am a dungeon master for D&D currently. Chris is actually in my group and uh, yeah, love the game. I've not seen any of the other D&D movies. I know this is not the first one and I know all the other ones have been kind of terrible. So <laughs> um, my expectations are, I guess, a little lowered by that. But I, it does look fun. I don't think it's going to take itself too seriously. And like, I don't know, I feel like it just just like I, I need a fun, nerdy movie. And this looks like it will fulfill that. So I'm excited, personally. Also, the um, production value looks quite high from the trailer. You know, there's going to be at least one gelatinous cube and one owl bear. So what more could you want? And a fucking mimic, too. Like, let's not forget about that <laughs> terrifying thing that I first learned about from Dark Souls. Um, oh, yeah. Y'all yeah. be lucky you haven't had a mimic in, in my campaign yet. 
Oh, trust me, every fucking chest. Uh, <laughs> I'm not the one who's gonna ever open that shit. I can tell you that. I'm scarred for life from uh, from from software games. So, yeah. Uh, well, what, what did you, you think? Uh, uh, truthfully, when I saw who was in it, uh, and I watched maybe about ten seconds of it, I thought there's no way it can be worse than the last one that they tried to make. So I, I feel optimistic. I feel like the cast alone. I, I have faith in the people that are in it enough to feel like it would carry with characters that I would care about, versus the hot mess that I saw back in 2000 with the last incarnation of a D and D film that I feel like wasn't in any way shape or form really related to D&D although it's been a long time and I hated it so much that I, I don't I really don't feel like going back and fact checking that so maybe it was and you know, they just did a really bad job with the source material then but I hope it's better this time around awesome yeah I am very cautiously optimistic um but emphasis on the optimistic uh, just from that trailer, which I think is like more of a tone piece than really getting a sense of like what the story is going to be. Uh, I love the party dynamic, like just like they really <laughs> like nailed that kind of feeling of goofing off and fucking up and like, you know, maybe doing the wrong thing for the right reasons and then trying to fix it. Like all that is like right there in the trailer. Uh, I love the, like the banter. I play a bard in this current campaign. So I was very excited to see that Chris Pine is. Uh, He'll is be taking bard. notes. <laughs> uh no 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 let's let's uh i'll, I'll give notes um thank you very much <laughs> um but no like I, I mean i think like from if i had to go off of just the trailer this seems like worst case scenario have a couple of pints like before you go to the movies and it'll be a great time like i, I don't see how this movie is not at least fun even if it's mm -hmm. not like you know highbrow cinema like who fucking cares like um so that's my take Awesome. All right. Well, let's have a side quest, shall we? Give these old shuffleroo here. Shuffleroo. Table flip. Table flip. <laughs> I may or may not have forgotten to um, have uh, or like to um, save the state. So I had to go digging through that card again for continuity. In any event, uh, for our side quest this week, it is, <laughs> and I'd like to thank. So uh, one of us will get to choose a film that is uh, influential in some way, shape, or form in your life. It could be your journey as like a film lover. It could just be a movie that means a lot to you um, that had some sort of influence. So um, I once again, if somebody has a, a strong um, opinion on one of these, like I will I'll open up the the floor i have one if if you guys don't but i'll, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity first if somebody has one um so i I've do got, yeah oh. i was gonna say yeah go for it because I, sure? I was gonna say since i went last week um i've got one yeah, too go for but it, at the same time i definitely think that somebody else should take a turn so yeah all you make <laughs> well i will go just because i feel like with rec i'm still processing it i don't know if i have anything useful to say <laughs> <or> i'm <being laughs> I just i have i have questions mostly so for this one um yeah i would have to say uh this, this feels like a somewhat like basic answer but um i think like one of the first like sort of like indie films that like really like kind of was unique in a way that I thought was really powerful was Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. As someone who like really loves sci-fi, but kind of like the more, um, 
I guess, like stereotypical, like Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek, Stargate kind of stuff. It was the first time I saw like the use of a like cool sci-fi device in what is uh, like a quirky offbeat and like at times very sweet rom-com. And I just loved that combination. And um, it's definitely a film that like, I thought like said a interesting thought-provoking thing about relationships and I don't know, kind of left me with a similar feeling to everything everywhere all at once when I like finished the film. Um, and I feel like most people can relate at least to, in some part to Eternal Sunshine um, and like the way it does kind of contextualize like the highs and lows of a relationship and just the process of once a relationship has ended, like going through those quite literally in, in, the, in the context of the film. But um, yeah, how you, how you deal with that after and how that shapes what you then want out of future relationships. Um, so yeah, no, it's uh, it's film is very dear to my heart. And I uh, also saw it when I was in that kind of like early stage of, you know, going through my first serious relationships. And yeah, it just uh, meant a lot to me. Have you guys seen it? Many times. It's one of my yeah. all-time favorite uh, uh, films as well. Also a, a gateway into the world of uh, indie films. That and Lost in Translation are probably like <laughs> the two, like right around the same time. I think I saw those and uh, had a profound effect like, equally for different reasons. But you said you've seen I, it as well, Will? Oh, yeah. No, it, it's been a while too. I've seen it probably, I want to say about two or three times. Um, watched it, I think, a couple of times when it first came out, and I've definitely gone back to watch it again since. And uh, yeah, I, I think it says a lot about in terms of the connections that we make and and sort of the, the need to go through certain things in order to learn from it and move forward. Um, and also, I thought it was just visually a, a very beautiful film. So yeah, I, I especially love the message that like, you should you shouldn't run away from your pain, you're right? Like, mm -hmm. Like you, like even though pain is unpleasant, like it's something that you should kind of hold on to and and clutch it. And like even a failed relationship, like there's there's precious memories that like you know at least that's what I kind of like a big part of what I took from it was that um you know um there's value in holding on to that and processing it and dealing with it. And I think may you hit the nail on the head, like learning from it, right? There's a lesson to be learned, yeah. um, even in failed relationships. I also like how like you you can see like how running away from and not really like um, I guess kind of like dealing with your baggage can be used against you with um, <laughs> with Frodo's character uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how he, like literally, literally uses the trauma of um, her, her her past relationships to kind of like wheedle his way into a really really icky relationship with her. Um, yes, such a creep. Yeah, but like you can also take that metaphorically as like, yeah, you're, you're gonna keep making the same mistakes in your relationships unless you like really kind of like sit with what went wrong in your last one. I think that's that's a great pick. Uh, I like that. That's it's, it's amazing. Uh, Sunray Cinema, our little local theater here in Jacksonville. I won't say every year, but I know frequently it's been done several times since I've moved here. That, that is their Valentine's Day uh, film <laughs> or like one of two usually that they'll show. I think Casablanca is pretty common. Mm. Um, uh, so we saw that at the drive-in when they had their little pop-up drive-in during uh, COVID. And it was nice. great. We had, a, we had a good little cry in the, uh, <laughs> in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Probably half due to COVID and half due to that, honestly. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much uh, for for sharing me. Um, wonderful pick there. Definitely. All right. Well, um, let's pivot to uh, to some. I mean, we, we call them these zombies, you know. Uh, this is, I mean, I know, like, that's kind of like widely accepted, but uh, some 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 creatures, some infected people in a building. Let's swap <laughs> over to that. I'll we'll say, uh, and talk yeah. about wreck. It's a good way to t- you know pivot from talking about dealing with your pain to running away from your pain in a different way. So. <laughs> Wreck is, uh, I guess, on the out, you know, like on the outside, Wreck looks like a very, you know, traditional zombie flick. And some parts of it are in a lot of ways. And then it kind of deviates and does its own thing, uh, especially toward the end when you sort of find out what's supposed to, or I guess what supposedly started everything. But I guess to sort of backtrack for a little bit and just give some context for um, our listeners, that Wreck starts out with a couple of reporters who are out doing a uh they're doing a special for their i guess their local tv news about what life is like for firefighters in their area on the night shift and so they come and they tag along with some guys over at the firehouse for a little while and interview a few of them and kind of just mull around for a while until a call comes in and then they end up going out on this emergency about a woman who's been shouting in this apartment complex who needs help. And the the local police have been informed and the firefighters are going out there too. And everybody kind of pulls up and it's a big crowd outside. They go into the building and all the neighbors in the stairwell are awake and trying to figure out what's going on. And the cop that's already on the scene is like, why are these reporters here? And they have to explain how they have permission to tag along to, to see what's going on. And so he kind of tells them about, all right, like, you gotta just follow my lead. And if I tell you to stop recording, you gotta stop recording. And they follow him upstairs. They encounter the woman who's been screaming, who looks very disheveled. And I probably would not have approached, <laughs> but as any zombie movie has to go, somebody's got to get too close at the wrong time. Just happens to be one of the cops who gets bitten. And from there, we have the the usual uh, sort of progression of zombie flick where people are trying to fight off those who are infected, um, subsequently getting bitten at some point. Until we've just got the two reporters at the very end who have made their way up to the very top of the apartment complex to get out. And come to find out in sort of the culmination of the last scene sequence that we've got the the like the added horror that has sort of started all of this that's waiting for them up there unbeknownst to them um normally they would have tried to get out the you know like the front door but at the same time that they've found out about this first you know issue with the old lady they've started uh the cops that are outside which are starting to accumulate more um have boarded up the entrance and are sort of cordoning off quarantining off everywhere that you can get out of the building so that's why they get trapped in there they're trying to figure out how to get out and eventually work their way up to the top um before we talk about the scene that i had in mind specifically for this i i would like to pivot back over to both of you and hear some more of your thoughts about what it was like watching this for the first time and uh so may i'm gonna since you've got some thoughts to to figure out <laughs> or some questions to ask perhaps uh i'd like to to hear what those are yeah i mean it, it is mostly with that final scene so um my just my overall impressions is one like wow does does this feel different when you're watching it after like two years of a global pandemic and a new like pandemic with monkey box um mm-hmm. <laughs> boy does this feel different um 
so the just like yeah the overall just sense of anger I guess and not being filled in and not really knowing what was going on it's very relatable that felt very raw and real um and it was interesting to see how you don't get a ton of background on any of the like supporting characters or even on on Angela really um you kind of get a sense that she is a uh, you know, she's, she's trying very hard to do her work as a reporter, but she also kind of like has some insecurities and like is trying to put on a, a fun bubbly persona when she's just, you know, terrified out of her mind. Um, and everyone else also has kind of like unique reactions. I, <laughs> one thing that took me out of it a little bit is I couldn't get out of my head that the second cop, the one that uh, takes longer to turn, just look, looks so much like Nathan Fielder. <laughs> 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 I don't know if that was just me, but I, uh, yeah, I just kept <laughs> expecting like a Nathan for you bit to start. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, I do like that it doesn't uh, like waste any time uh, letting letting shit happen. Um, and yeah, I just, I uh, I feel like my my pulse was racing the the whole time. Um, <laughs> And I, I liked also um, that they really committed to the found footage bit in terms of putting the camera down at times, having like other people, like the, the little girl, like pick up the camera out of curiosity. Um, and I liked those kind of like little added details, which they didn't have to do and definitely like were intentional in a film so short. Um, but yeah, I... I liked it. I just, like I said, I, I have some questions about what we're supposed to learn from that little ending scene, which I'll reserve <laughs> till we talk about that. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Chris, I'm sure you've got several zombie films under your belt. So give us your feedback on what you thought after watching Wreck. Uh, lots of zombie movies under my belt. Uh, too many, some might say. Um, I like the, the genre. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, like it, it's a genre that's been done to death. Um, so I always like when there's like some kind of unique um, twist or like attempt to, to do something a little out of the ordinary, um, wh whether it's like the zombies themselves or the structure. So uh, it gets huge points for originality. Um, like it, it seems a little like blase probably these days, like with how many found footage horror films have like come around since. And like there was a couple before this, but um, I thought one of the plus sides what and i had read i guess that they like they uh there was no sets built this was all kind of like location shooting uh, it was a really mm -hmm. effective use of the space like in the apartment building uh really gave you that sense of claustrophobia like all those stairwell shots where people are running up or down and there's like you know as it got more and more chaotic like that stairwell became um just a bigger and bigger hazard like i loved all that um i i i really didn't dig the uh the dub too much that i got <laughs> i would have preferred subtitles personally because uh i don't know like i think it's really hard to pull off a good dub um so occasionally that did take me out of it especially in the beginning parts like when people are uh -huh. just kind of chit-chatting uh cared way less about that like as the kind of movie progressed but right it's like uh, you're not watching people's mouths move at that point there's too much yeah. blood <laughs> a lot of screaming right like, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um yeah i mean I, I don't know what the budget was for this but uh special effects wise i thought it was like pretty effective and um i, I really think that like the sense of dread and like tension the, the the kind of the build and the payoff at the end was really good 
the other thing that I, I kind of loved was like how video gamey it was like this felt very much like and then I saw that it inspired Outlast which I've not played but I've seen people play through all the way um and then like you she's know, handcuffed even... so we can go up the stairs yeah <laughs> well like slamming like the little door is like very resident evil you know like at yeah. times and um like certainly like we'll talk about the finale but there was like a tape recorder i'm like oh here we go audio diaries perfect this is how <laughs> you unlocked a collectible there you know like that's what it kind of felt like but um you know i would say overall i enjoyed it the the weather cooperated here in jacksonville it was nice and rainy there was like rain spattering against the window um that was all curled up in a blanket and it was super dark and and i was by myself so um i think that kind of uh was bonus points uh thanks to mother nature but i agree with you on a lot of those points actually both of you on the points that you brought up um especially the claustrophobia like that to me was one of my favorite parts about watching this film is that not so much i mean the the, the camera is very shaky as well so there's that going on you got a lot of people that are you know emotions they're high everybody's really tense there's a lot of screaming and shouting that happens a lot of kind of spastic we're running this way we're going back this other way um but just the the claustrophobia of walking down some of those apartments you're not really sure what's around the corner and you feel like it's gonna because you know there's gonna be some jump scares you know like just not because it's a zombie film but just because there's too many corners that you can't see around something is gonna pop out at some point and so there's that uh my wife was actually watching it with me for probably about 10 minutes and was just like no fuck this i'm out <laughs> <laughs> she was like i feel my heart racing yeah that was that i was like you know the movie's done well when you're just like nope i'm tapping out and she tapped out when the fireman fell straight down and i know this is gonna be a spoiler so i've already kind of ruined it but fireman falls straight down the stairwell and splats on the ground and everybody wigs out and my wife was just like no, i can't um so that little jump scare was was also one of my favorite parts of the film and also apparently was not known i believe from what i read the actors didn't know that was going to happen either so sort of like in in line with some of the other moments in movie history like in alien where they didn't know the chest burster was going to happen to get sort of that more authentic feel i think that in some ways this film tried a lot to be as realistic as it could be with respect to what it was trying to do and so you know you've got like the main character so um the actor who played Angela, or I guess, uh, and I can't, I don't know how I would pronounce it correctly in, in Spanish, so I apologize, but Angela, for my pronunciation, uh, portrayed by, I believe her name is Manuela Velasco, mm -hmm. and she used to be, uh, if I, again, if I read correctly, she used to be a reporter, so to have somebody who knew what that was like to make that authentic, to have a lot not really told to the cast members about what was going to happen at certain scenes to get realistic reactions. The fact that we get really long takes from the camera angle uh, throughout the film uh, and just the, the attention to detail with so much of it and also just being on location I and mean, actually being in a real building versus trying to do it all on a set, I thought was, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, some of that realism too, I'd like to talk about as well in the final scene and that sequence and how it's set up because even like the the big reveal creature at the end is also there's no CGI it's a real person in prosthetics and it's like you guys are just really like I don't know I just I really appreciate this film for everything it tried to do it's one of my favorite zombie films um I think that it's also worth it to you one I would agree 
if you can watch it with subtitles don't get it dubbed i'd also recommend for comparison's sake once you watch this one to go and watch the american version quarantine just because it's interesting watching some of the differences that they made it's not necessarily i think i said last week it was like a shot for shot remake and in a lot of respects it does try to be the same way pretty much throughout the entire film even like the surprises and certain jump scares and the big reveal at the end is all very much like the same uh but there's just certain like aesthetic differences some dialogues a little bit different about certain parts that contribute to the film that i think are good and without ruining anything for for either the hosts of the show or for the people that are listening i think it's worth it to go back and watch just to see you know how they try to make it a bit different if you decide that you really want to engage with rec and you really want to engage with quarantine uh there are sequels to both that's where they completely diverge uh, the sequel to rec which we could talk a little bit more about after we talk about the last scene in this film um there's i think four movies total so they did rec rec 2 I want to say there's a wreck genesis in there somewhere like a prequel and then maybe another wreck that's like i don't know i don't know if it's before or after the events of this film i'll have to go back and check and i haven't seen the third or the fourth one but i've seen the second one and then quarantine does have a sequel that has no relation to wreck after that it's it's very much its own american version uh idea of spinoff so and it was okay not really anything i'd, I'd be like yeah go out and see because it's amazing but it's not terrible it's just kind of like okay i see where you tried to go with it so <laughs> but yeah all right well before we jump into the scene any other thoughts or things that stood out to you about this i just want to let you both know that uh if you ever had children i would not hesitate to bash their brains in if they were a zombie like that always frustrates chris. me so bad dude like <laughs> In she's movies. just got tonsillitis chris oh man Jesus no Christ. but like when when she's going that shit and they're like you know oh it's a kid i'm like nah like yeah it's it's going down dude like i i love both of you but if your little kid's a zombie and it's coming out like it's getting his face bashed in i'm sorry like <laughs> it's like one of the tropes that always like annoy especially like that late in the the sequence of stuff where you've clearly seen like that this thing is like spreading and people are um like dangerous like you get you know you don't have to be the one to do it as like the parent but um <laughs> don't, get don't, the don't, cop with the gun you'll make it fast <laughs> yeah or the dude with the sledgehammer you know oh god yeah, yeah i was i was gonna say like if we're talking about like small pet peeves uh i knew manu was going to make it like almost to the end just because they named him <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> repeated his name several times yep. <laughs> gave it a little bit away least make it out a, a little bit longer yeah it's true i do think it's funny like you, you watch at certain points and you're like yeah they're they're definitely setting it up for somebody to get it like when um oh, and I, i'm trying to remember the guy's name but the uh want to say it was the like this oh my gosh the guy with the, like the little I, I wish i could remember his name it's oh, so the bad the guy with the ascot yes him yeah oh my goodness and, uh, yeah well British when he accent, like I'm pretty very sure. <laughs> purposefully like switches places with with Manu while they're talking yeah like he's like very intentionally <laughs> bracing himself up against the door they have just had locked because one of the guys that came in one of the biohazard guys who's been like 
trying to test for what's been happening to these people who comes into the building. He's like the only guy from the outside who makes it in once they've all been quarantined. Once he gets infected and he locks himself up in this side corridor in this apartment. And then, yeah, and dude man is just like talking about, oh, this is how we can get out. Listen to me, listen to me. And, I, and then he's like, and then strategically bracing himself up against the door that's just been locked. I'm like, oh, you're not, you're not going to make it. <laughs> he's going to get grabbed. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of there, man. But nope. No, we got to keep it going. So, but yeah, that or like the kid. Oh my goodness. You knew something was going to happen with the kid and you're just waiting for it. And that little jump scare too. I was like, this is great. It was awesome. That one I actually liked. Yeah. (laughs) Night of the Living Dead, you know, reminds me of, uh, I think, is it, is her name Karen? The little, the little girl anyway. Like, yeah. Did we ever see, and um, I'm also blanking on this woman's, woman's name. I don't know if she actually was named. But the woman who is talking about uh, her elderly father being up in the bedroom, did, did anything ever happen with him? Or was that just kind of a, a thread left untouched? I think in this one it is. I don't know if they, so the sequel to this movie takes place pretty much right after the first one. Like they've got, this is, the sequel has like the perspective of a SWAT team that goes in afterwards to try and deal with this oh. mess. It's like cleanup. And so I think that the old, like the old man shows up. I think there's certain characters that are related that show up. So like um, the uh, I want to say it was I don't know if her if her character had a name, but it was Jennifer. Jennifer's the little girl. So her mother um, or I should say her father, who we don't see because he was outside the building, shows up in the sequel trying to get into the building. So mm-hmm. certain characters you see the character like that were alluded to show up um, after the fact. I don't remember. I'll have to look it up, but I don't remember if the uh, if the Chinese families, if the fa- if the grandfather was okay or not. I mean, not, yeah. not necessarily okay. Because I like was around. expecting <laughs> I was expecting him to jump up when they were on the fifth floor and searching yeah. for the key. Because I thought that they lived up on the fifth floor, and I was like, oh, this this is mm-hmm. definitely when he's going to jump out. And then no, okay. Yeah, and then there's and this will tie into the last scene too, which I guess we can go ahead and just jump into, which is that there's a little kid. There's like oh in the attic. <laughs> and you're like what the fuck was that and you see it for like one second yeah because he like spook jumps and knocks uh the camera out of i think it's alex uh knocks the camera out of alex's hands or pushes it scares him he falls the camera um uh the light on the camera breaks and so he has to use the night vision on the camera in order to see um but to sort of backtrack to what chris was mentioning too prior to this in the final sequence of the film they uh, end up in the uh, this supposedly abandoned apartment that has a bunch of like vials sort of like the the i guess the stereotypical like laboratory look and you find some like um sort of that hospital type of like chair set up in another room and so you're thinking okay so some stuff went down up here nobody want nobody needed to know about i guess and we come to learn through some uh (laughs) some tape uh, uh some recordings that there had been a girl that had supposedly been um had been possessed that there had been some demonic possession that had happened to her and that she was under observation and being tested to see how it was like what had caused it and the person who's making the recording is talking about how they've they've isolated the enzyme that's reacting to cause this and um that and then it turns out that he's like no we have to we have to terminate the subject and so 
at some point attempted to do that and it didn't work and which then caused this uh somehow and in the in the course of this film it doesn't really go into it they try to connect the dots a little bit more in the second one but at some point that little girl has infected something else that infects a dog that one of the uh, that jennifer the little girl has that then infects her and then goes around infecting i guess presumably the older lady that's in the apartment um and how everything sort of spreads from there when they try to find their way out they they find out that there's this um attic crawl space that they think they can get out of and alex goes up there and he's shining his camera around it's when the kid pops out spooks him he falls back and then once they get up and he uses the night vision to kind of see what's going around he hears something else and then you see this really creepy uh just reveal of the very thin uh, I guess decaying body of the the girl that had been originally possessed presumably who is shuffling around with a hammer and <laughs> trying to find the uh, the source of the noise that she had heard which was them and then that whole struggle that happens when they try to get out which culminates in both Alex and Angela not making it out um, Alex who gets bludgeoned to death and then angela who gets grabbed and and pulled off off screen in, in the last little sort of jumpy uh into the film for the footage so with that recap i guess may now it's time for the questions that you've got that yeah that you were like well okay so you got a yeah. lot of thoughts i gotta, yeah. gotta throw them out there so like it is it is a bold move to drop a ton of extra exposition in your last 10 minutes of your film. Like I, I gotta respect the boldness of doing that. Um, but yeah, it just, it seemed really out of left field to say like, oh no, you thought this was zombies. It's actually demonic possession. And uh, like, I do like the fact that it does invite you to then go back through the film and kind of like really study and look for clues. Um, like, I think the only hint you really get of that is there's like some early comment made about the guy that like owns that uh, fifth floor apartment, like almost never coming coming there or staying there and always keeping it locked and like, you know, being someone who travels a lot, I, I guess, to the Vatican or, no. <laughs> <laughs> or wherever. Science conventions, uh, you know. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. But yeah, it just um, it seemed like an extra thing just kind of thrown in for shock value to me a bit. It was very, very well done but um yeah i don't know it didn't quite sit right with me and then um yeah that scene where the cameraman also i think the cameraman's pablo not alex, That's how alex oh i've been getting it wrong character no um, i got my my cast list is obsolete it's a good thing you're here to to fact check me on that i apologize to everyone listening i have gotten characters wrong on this i'm usually better okay. about this i apologize most of this movie is screaming and yelling like uh, right one another, so <laughs> It's not like we get a lot of like quiet character moments where the names <laughs> are thrown out. So I think you're fine. Yeah. I think I'm confusing yeah. Pablo with, and so I guess Alex, just for clarification's sake, I think maybe Alex was like the medical tech that they had who was like trying to figure out what was going on with them. But yeah, so that might have been it. So yeah, all right. So anyway, Pablo, I've been yeah. correct, and I will, I will say that correctly now. <laughs> Thank you. I, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I just like that's like one of the only names I remembered. It was like I think it was Pablo, but um, just because Angela is shouting his name so much. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're good. 
um but yeah no when you, when you uh sticks the camera up through that like little attic place and the kid punches the light like that's genuinely terrifying because you realize oh we have lost our own source of light but i'm also wondering like where did that kid come from and like i've been trying to think about that figure that out so i'm curious to like hear if you guys have theories and that's my main question is just like what are your theories around this ending that's kind of cryptic genuinely horrifying i'll give it that but very mm-hmm. cryptic uh is like did she have that kid like is that her kid like maybe because uh, i mean it's hard to tell because she's very deformed but it seems like she is a you know young woman at that point um mm-hmm. you know not a little girl anymore and yeah i'm just like really wondering what the like operation the guy on the tapes was talking about um if it failed and he was like eaten by her or if you know he just kind of left left her there to see if it would work or not and didn't realize that you know things were spreading I wonder how it spread to the rest of the apartment if it was that little boy that did it uh yeah no I just like it's an ending that leaves you with a ton of questions which isn't necessarily a bad thing yeah I just I have a lot of questions Uh, I do really appreciate the commitment uh like you described to not using cgi like having like prosthetics and you know and actually like completely pitch black room um there is to me like nothing more terrifying than looking down a very dimly lit hallway and seeing just the suggestion of a distant vaguely humanoid figure mm-hmm. like that i think that was probably the scariest single scene for me um was that and because it's like you that when that thing comes within like you know easy viewing distance you don't know if it's going to be an actual person or a monster or another zombie or or what um so just the the vague and uh kind of like menacing figure in the distance was very scary it's not gonna be anything good is it (laughs) like no 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 because at that point they, they're not even really trusting the people from outside because like uh that's kind of a repeated refrain from a lot of people is just feeling like totally abandoned by the people that put them into quarantine um which is understandable um so yeah they're they're very much on their own at that point and yeah no the the ending's just very sad between angela and and, and pablo because you don't know anything about their relationship but clearly they are the only two people that like can trust one another at that point I do love that it ended with the scene of Angela getting dragged away. That felt very much like just a general homage to horror. <laughs> yeah, done Excellent. many times since too. Like I feel like that's been aped by a lot of um, like I think well the it's out in the box art of quarantine. I saw <laughs> it's literally the shot of Jennifer <laughs> yep. Carpenter being dragged away. Um, but like I feel like paranormal activity, which I'm not sure if it came before or after that, but I feel like after has like a very famous sequence of somebody being dragged away like into the shadows like that um and my my last comment on the final scene is i also really appreciate that you only see this kind of like demonic possessed figure uh through the night vision lens you never Mm -hmm. see them in any kind of actual light because i think that really preserves the horror of the moments um Chris, I'll like try to send you a link for your edits later. Uh, but I read a really great or watched a really great video essay recently on like why like cosmic horror in particular is really, really hard to do um, mm. in a visual media, just because as soon as you've like visually named or described the thing, it does lose some of its like ethereal, like cosmicness, I guess. Um, and I felt like this creature in part because it's 
still very vague like what it is even by the end of the movie uh but also just because you never actually really fully see it it does like preserve a lot of the unique horror and confusion around it and it's kind of like uncanniness it's a good point yeah i feel like in a lot of the really good horror films that are out there it's the fact that you don't know entirely what it is that you're looking at that is the scariest part so like alien is another good example to go back to a classic horror where you didn't really see much of it and that was part of what was really driving home a lot of the you know the apprehension and the suspense and the the scariness of the fact that you don't really know where it's coming from and you don't really know what it's going to do i mean you've seen some of what it does but you're not really sure like how you're going to get away from it and i think to a large extent jaws was like that too i mean perhaps unintentionally for the fact that they had animatronic issues with the shark, but still just the fact that it was like, you want to scare some people out of never going in the water again? And this is a great way to do it. So, I mean, stuff like that where, yeah, it's a lot of what you don't see and the power that that can have about, you know, letting your mind create or I guess run away from you about what it is that's that's going on. And so, yeah. I, I agree. I think it was good to sort of try and fill in the gaps a little bit to give some closure to that storyline, but still leave some threads open um, mm -hmm. just because it wasn't really necessary in the end. You didn't have to tie up everything, but to a certain extent, you kind of left a little bit there to wonder about. So, all right, Chris, what are your thoughts of the final scene? Yeah, I, this was uh, the standout for me. I can see why you picked it. I thought it was incredibly effective. I agree wholeheartedly with May. I think the less would have been more. I think just mere, the mere suggestion of like the laboratory and that maybe this like tenant on the like the, in the attic had something to do with the infection without trying to like contextualize or explain it would have been just as effective for me, honestly, maybe more. So, um, but yeah, like I, when the, the night vision sequence basically starts, I, I really felt bad for Angela. Like, you know, it's easy to forget in that moment that she can't see like what we're seeing. Like it's just Pablo, man, how horrible would that be to just have to clutch onto somebody and hope to fucking God, they know what they're talking about and doing. Um, and then it's try not to breathe or make noise as this, uh, this giant thing is kind of stalking around, uh, probably better for her in that moment that she can't see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I, I did look this up because I was curious. Uh, so uh, Tristana um, is the name of like the young woman. And it's played by a gentleman, actually, by the name of Javier Botet, who is six foot seven. So an inch taller than Michael Jordan, if you want to like for, 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 I guess, context. Like that's, that's, a, a, um, I think, helps kind of with the, the physical uh, imposition and like just the weird like quality of that creature. Um yeah the, i didn't really know what to make with the, the kid uh to answer that question uh i think it was more for shock value um the more <laughs> the more you try to think about it and unpack that like probably the more it falls apart at least like just um with just this movie as like your uh, point of reference but um yeah i think i i mean this was a really really uh cool effective sequence um i i thought it was a, a strong end to the film it, it left a a a lasting impression certainly there's a lot of good dread and um i think really in general you know like there's like some blood and gore in this movie like this is a pretty prime example of like uh you can get immense terror out of um you know either off-screen violence or like 
violence with like some some restraint for sure and it's more about the suspense the suspenseful scenes are often more uh for me anyway like effective than the ones in which uh they're like say like the surprise bites and things like that like they give you the jump but like not not quite the dread that you get of like watching these two characters try to hold their breath and be quiet as this big lumbering thing is like slinking around so I loved it. Stand out for me, really, for the uh, the whole entire uh, film. I agree. In fact, it was my favorite scene of this because of the fact that it was so terrifying to be just the idea of seeing something. And it, truthfully, the first time I, th- I saw it, I thought it was CGI to some degree. I think I think I actually watched Quarantine first, and then I went back and watched this one. And Quarantine, one of the subtle differences that they do is it's a lot darker in in terms of the lighting of the apartment complex than it is in this one. Like in certain shots, they have a they have light strategically placed so that you can see some of the characters a little bit better, despite the fact that there's so much shaky cam going on that it's like, I mean, when you do see somebody for a second, there's only so much detail. But in Quarantine, I felt like everything just had a little bit of a darker lighting sometimes people were like zombies were a little bit more obscured um but at the very end man when i saw that and just the just that creepy it's sort of i guess it's like the slender man sort of like scare where it's something that's just like sort of humanoid but not really um so yeah and definitely a big shout out to javier botet um did a phenomenal job and has done several other jobs as playing sort of supernatural characters in film um because of the fact of his of the way that his body is with I think it's Marfan syndrome where it's mm-hmm. his limbs are very long and very thin uh, similar to another actor who's on uh, Star Trek Discovery actually uh, who it's the same sort of body build and so uh, to be Jones. able to play yeah and I, th- I think he was actually in uh, Hellboy so yep. yeah just stuff like that where it's really cool just sort of the lady um like the characters that you get to embody in that realm without having to worry about any sort of like i mean it's just prosthetic uh, just prosthetics that they've got and so it's it's incredible work uh, but yeah no that to me was like the scariest part of the film the little kid i think is explained as being some uh they were i think there was like something either in a sequel movie they even had like a like a book or like a comic or something that came out i think that tried to fill in some of these gaps um don't quote me on the comic but i think there was some sort of like some sort of literature that came out as well but i think in a subsequent movie they were part of it they tried to explain that the kids were being like collected to be tested on in there and he was just one of them <laughs> oh, Catholic God. Church, man. that's even worse i know <laughs> so oh, it's like no. right um but the demonic possession thing to me really stood out because in the in quarantine in the american version that's not the there's no demonic possession and it's all strictly it's much more zombie it's much more science-based in the sense of like they got a contagion it transformed them into this this is what it's doing um that sense of it versus the supernatural demonic possession but i think it's interesting because that sort of i feel like in the horror that we create in in our culture in terms of what we're afraid of i think it's interesting to look at how that's portrayed in both of these films because there's some things that are pretty consistent and there's other things that aren't so like for us you know we're all we're like 
like you pointed out, May, I mean, this this film has aged in an interesting way with our current times of now yeah. it's like, you know, the I mean, they even make a comment or the guy, the recording made a comment about like, oh, this is very much like the flu. And I'm like, yep. Uh. <laughs> ah, excellent. You know, so it's it's the fear of this biological contagion that's going to happen and so it's like yeah yeah we in america we are very much afraid of of certain things in science going run amok um in terms of like if it's a virus i thought that was really fascinating to have the idea that it would be a supernatural source so it's demonic possessions and you know it, with the idea that for Catholics, the movie The Exorcist was absolutely terrifying. Not saying that you, that it's not terrifying to people that aren't Catholic, but I just remember <laughs> speaking to, like talking to a friend of mine who is Catholic back in probably high school about that film. And she was like, no, I can't. It's just, it's the idea is too terrifying. And to me, I didn't really understand that as much. But to me, demonic possession is not something that I, I believe in. And so, to have that be something that you do believe in, I thought, yeah, I could, I could completely understand how that would be a terrifying aspect to feel like that's, that's the evil that's coming after you. Um, I will say one of the things that does connect the two films that is worth mentioning is there is racism in the film. And there is the idea of the other of, of people that they thought were the reason for what was happening because there's a Chinese family in this version. I can't remember if there's a Chinese family or, um, they might have been Hispanic in the in quarantine. Um, so don't quote me on that. But I just remember that that was the other thing was it was like there's this one family that's different to the this to somebody in some character who feels like they're the source of the problem. And it's not that case, obviously. Uh, but to have that be another fear that's brought up as part of this, you know, as everybody's trying to figure out what's going on and what the what the what the situation is. So I think in some ways, like like a good horror film, it's, it shows us what it is that we're afraid of and what other people are afraid of. And I think that that had a very powerful message for us to look at now. Um, yeah, <laughs> especially in light of, unfortunately, the racism that we've seen towards Chinese people after COVID. Mm -hmm. From our, mm -hmm. own, our own former president, no less, calling it the China virus, right? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Rather so, embarrassing. <laughs> yeah for real so you know there's it's yeah i think that's part of what makes it such a, a a powerful film is that you know it is very much something that you can go back and relate to later and you know for better or worse in some ways with that i was just gonna say your your comments uh on uh the, the kind of like demonic angle um reminded me that like i feel like the film is also kind of like leaving that interpretation a bit open because it's the only character who you learn that from is this guy that is is clearly deeply catholic and embedded in the church uh who has decided that this girl is demonically possessed uh whereas like hey maybe it's a product of all of the laboratory experimentation they've been doing on her <laughs> for instance like that's mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like the film doesn't firmly say like, ah, yes, it is a hundred percent demons. That's obviously this guy's interpretation and then why he's gone to these lengths to like lock this girl up and experiment on her. But who knows? Watch the second one and they will hammer that point in pretty hard. Okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> I... No, you're good. I actually like the fact that the first one does keep it ambiguous because you're right. You know, like you could this could just be this is their interpretation of it. 
Um, I one of the few things I remember from the sequel, <laughs> and I remember it because I think I was actually caught off guard with the fact that they they doubled down on it so hard. Was that they have these, I guess, uh, like SWAT guys go into the building, and each of them has a camera, so you get different angles as they're going through. And at some point, I'm pretty sure somebody straight up uses some holy water and it burns one of them. And so I was like, all right, <laughs> you really wanted to do the demonic possession thing. All right. I, you know, but you're right. The first one doesn't really, doesn't really confirm that. It just leaves it as an idea. And you're right that it's, um, it is a it's open to interpretation which also in a lot of ways makes it good because it doesn't sort of like what you were saying before about how once you know what it is that's coming at you sort right. of some of that magic is gone so yeah leave it open a little bit don't completely you know confirm or deny so yeah i was not interested in any of the sequels until i saw the poster art for rec Four apocalypse which has angela uh coming back uh she is in a bloody tank top uh, against the backdrop of a angry sea with a dark stormy sky behind her holding a what looks like a bloody boat propeller looking like she's gonna fuck some shit up and i'm like man how far we've come uh from whatever happens between <laughs> this one and that one <laughs> but i really want to know what happens now <laughs> so so basically it's become resident evil is what I i'm might, hearing out of this i might have a guilty pleasure uh, <laughs> to discuss in a couple of episodes who knows we expect oh, you to update us accordingly. Yeah, I might do it. You know, you never know. Well, I don't know where it's going after it's done on AMC Plus, but Wreck and Wreck 2 are currently on there. I don't think the third or the fourth one are. I think Wreck 3 Genesis, which apparently takes place roughly around the same time as the first two films. I'm not sure where that's at. And I think you said Wreck 4 Apocalypse or Apocalypsis is the one that finishes it off. So, but I feel like at some point it's got to. I feel like they have to explain where it came from because I was reading somewhere about how there's like it talks about how the little girl got infected or how the dog got infected. So anyway, or both. So yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't watch that one for if the dog makes it out. I, I, mean, well, I guess technically it does have to make it out to a certain point and then it gets put down. But I don't yeah. know how much they're gonna show with that. So. Yeah, the dog did die well. <laughs> yeah. But off screen, they just mentioned it. They put it to sleep, (laughs) which I don't know. If you have a dog that gets a little berserk as a zombie, when they say they put it to sleep, I kind of wonder. That Yeah, (laughs) that is a strong euphemism in that moment, I'm I'm feeling. Took it to the farm. Yeah. (laughs) Man. As long as they didn't get like the the menu treatment of the uh the freaking like what did he pick up where he just like punched that one lady and it was the the sledgehammer right yeah <laughs> jeez man I mean he wasn't kidding around they didn't like snapping necks too I thought it was like man they make that look a little too easy but anyway <laughs> well. Uh, uh- before we uh, transition um, away from Rec, I, I did look up the, the budget to um, to kind of bring that back for, and aha, I'm the one with the power now. So I, um, I didn't even under. look. Uh, <laughs> I, I will tell, I, so I'll throw out the number and you guys can tell me um, uh, it's exactly right, uh, higher or lower. So uh, Rec had a budget of $5 million. Lower. I'm gonna go right at. It's two million dollars. So oh, hey. right. noise. <laughs> nice job, May. Get I it. promise I didn't look. I just I feel like most of the money went to the like prosthetics and like blood effects and 
nothing else really costs anything. Probably renting out that building for the day. I was gonna say a location <laughs> shooting for sure. Yeah. 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 Borrowing a fire truck. That's true. That's true. Photographing, like I don't know. Do you wonder if those fire? I, I think I read those firefighters, except for the ones that went into the building, were all real, like real fighter, real firefighters. So I kind of wonder if they got like a nice little. Like, hey, be in our movie, or if it's more just like we can't because of rules, <laughs> we can't Aww. pay you, or what? I don't know what the what it would be like to to do that. I don't even know what it would be like over here. I'm assuming they would want to get paid, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it one last little thing that I forgot to mention there. Uh, there is a documentary about 9/11 that would have come out, I think, before because it was like the year anniversary of 9/11 that it aired first. It's just called uh, 9-11 that this was very reminiscent of, like, especially in the beginning. And it's uh, mm-hmm. about um, two French brothers that are following a rookie um, firefighter, like um, in his like basically first months of being a firefighter and like, you know, uh, developing that camaraderie with the group. And they happened to, to be there like um, like his first call is like the, the airplane crash, the Twin Towers. It's like the only footage from inside the twin towers. Like they're in side at one point when the building collapses. It's it's wild, harrowing. Oh. It's sad. It's crazy. But it's like some of the most fascinating. I mean, like just unbelievable stuff. Um, but like watching the firefighters kind of like play basketball and like goof off. Like it was very reminiscent. So I wonder if that was an influence. Um, like on that because it was a, a really famous documentary. Like when it came out. So ready for a little game? We ready for. I'm- uh, yeah let's do it man what you got (laughs) all right so we're gonna bring back uh some keyword countdown uh which uh, as we've mentioned before was created by gap murphy of rkg video uh just one of the funniest and uh brightest spots on the internet that channel is amazing uh i i spoke of watching somebody play through outlast they have a uh a horror like a series called spookies where they play scary games uh, together in the dark and they did outlast so that's that's why i've seen outlast uh so you should check that out if you want uh more of the same of what you got in rec so for maybe our new listeners uh the way keyword countdown works is i have five films i have uh accumulated 10 clues a piece from imdb's plot keyword uh, page for these films and i'm going to list them off one at a time uh, they're going to start off uh, very obscure, and then as we move through, they'll get more and more obvious, with the final clue being a dead giveaway, as one of my colleagues, uh, you know, eventually guesses the uh, the film right, because you guys are going to get all these, like, absolutely. Um, they will they will get uh, points for basically how far down the list they got. So for the clue and any remaining clues, they'll receive a, uh, a point. So if they guess it on clue number five, they would get uh, six points uh, total for that particular movie so let's go shall we film number one clue number one this is one of my favorites lifting someone into the air dirty dancing <laughs> great guess. beat me to it <laughs> but no it's not that white christmas not a bad guess but nope uh, clue number two is going to, I think, switch some some mental gear uh, gears here. Uh, revenge uh, is your second clue. <laughs> Predator. Oh. <laughs> Star Wars. It's not Predator or Star Wars. Both of those would work, though. Uh, but nope. Hmm. Okay. 
clue number three, female protagonist. Couple more seconds. Kill Bill. Nope. Good guess though. Better not be Terminator. I would do that too. <laughs> but also uh, would work, I think, in all of those really. Um, next clue is small town. Small town. The crucible? Not a bad guess, but nope. Hmm. All righty. Next clue. Video store. <laughs> Video store. Remember those? Those we used to go there. <laughs> Blockbuster. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, seriously. All right. Jeez. Next clue. This is your sixth clue. One word title. One word title. Nope. All right. Next clue. First of a series. I wish you could see my face right now, Chris. <laughs> I'm going to summarize here and then I'm going to culminate with the next clue. Lifting someone into the air. Revenge. Yep. Female protagonist. Small town. Video store. One word title. All right. Uh, first of a series. Sorry, I, I realized like I, I didn't go down <laughs> to the next clue. And then finally, uh, phone is your next clue. Oh, that's a biggie. I'm drawing a blank. All right. Certainly somebody I think is going to get it here. Penultimate <laughs> clue, masked killer. <laughs> masked killer oh scream <laughs> it is it's scream nice yeah, it is. oh geez <laughs> yeah, wow. no, so obvious when you when you hear like when you get down you're like oh of course so that is two points for will your final clue was ghost face uh yeah, so lifting one. someone into the air <laughs> revenge female protagonist small town video store one word title first of a series phone masked killer and ghost face wow well done will thanks man all right, here we are. New film, new set of clues. Clue number one, yeah. reference to Alexander the Great. <laughs> okay. I want, it, I want it to be Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but I know it's not that. <laughs> That'd be great, but it's not. Uh... Just think about all the other characters in history that got referenced to that. But yeah, I wish. But anyway, I digress. All right. Clue number two, industrialist. There will be blood. No. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but no. <laughs> Metropolis. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> All right. Uh, appropriate for this uh, for this week's um, film. View through a video camera. View through a video camera. All right. Next clue: secret project. Secret project. 
All right. Next clue, cave. Jeez. Ellie knows. <laughs> she does. What is it, Ellie? She's screaming <laughs> at the top it? of her lungs. She's like, hey, I know. Come on, you idiot. No. <laughs> All right. Next clue. Character name as title. Character name as title. I'm really struggling with these. I don't know why. Yeah, it's like, hard. they're meant that? to be kind of hard until so you get down to the, you know, the back half. Yeah. Uh, this next one is uh, bound to be a, a, a big clue. So surprise during end credits. Iron Man. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, Iron Man. Oh noise. <laughs> get it. Nice get it. Get it. I was just Four trying points. to think of an industrialist uh, Marvel movie because they always have yeah. incredible surprise. <laughs> yeah. You did nice. it. Uh, your final clues would have been billionaire, high yeah. tech, and armor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great job. Nice. All right, no pressure. I'm looking at this list because I played this with my team at work and somebody got it on this clue, actually, the first clue. Um, nice. I think you'd have to be a mega fan of this movie and just be vibing in the right way. But <laughs> here we are. Next film, uh, first clue, Children's Choir. Hmm. Something, I feel like there's something there. <laughs> Uh, home alone <laughs> not a bad guess but nope i can't remember if that's actually in this film i could be misremembering the scene but moonrise kingdom uh, i'm not sure if that is either but it's not the one wow. i was just talking about that last night with marianne how i need to give it another shot i thought it was incredibly not my thing the first time i saw it oh. uh, i love grand budapest but that one didn't do it for me all right, next clue. Uh, returning character with a different actor. I know it's not going to be right, but Back to the Future Part 2. <laughs> not a bad uh, um, guess, but no, that is not it. No. Crispin Glover uh, famously replaced... And uh, successfully sued, I think, for his likeness being used. Um, mm. One of the reasons. Yeah, that, Chris that... Glover was gone, and then Elizabeth Shue came in too to mm -hmm. replace. Uh, oh, geez, the other the, I can't remember her name either. I have terrible names yeah. tonight. No, I know it's not a. I think like a super well known one though. To be fair, but yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I can't remember it either. Yeah. All right, next clue: unlawful arrest. Unlawful arrest. Oh. Alrighty. Next clue: body inflation. Body inflation. Really Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's a great. Uh, it would be a great guess, honestly, with the returning character as a different actor that fits. Uh, but it's not it. That's not the one. Um, but a lovely guess. Uh, here's your next clue: triple decker bus. Harry Potter. 
and the prisoner of Azkaban. That's the one. <laughs> nice. So that is seven points for May. Well done. Uh, your remaining clues were, um, and I'm sorry, six points. Uh, your remaining clues were time travel, uh, flying creature, werewolf, wizard, scar on a forehead. <laughs> nice. The last one there is uh... <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of a gimme. Yeah. <laughs> so that that is ten points for May uh, to Will's two. So Will, you can still do it, my guy. We have uh, two more films. It is anyone's game. Here we go. Clue number one, based on a novel, which really narrows it down if you think about it. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Final <Blade> answer. <laughs> <laughs> it is neither. David Lynch's Dune. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, next clue. Denis Villeneuve's oh. Dune. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, fearless child. Fearless child. Matilda. Nope, not the one. Good one though. Good banger of a movie. All right. Next clue: film footage. Film footage. <laughs> Jurassic Park. No. <laughs> Super eight? Nope. Not the that's, one. A, that's a pretty good guess. I don't know if it's based on my book or not, but all right. Your next clue, Savannah, Georgia. All right. Next clue, famous line. Famous <laughs> line. Right. Next clue: Vietnam War. Forrest Gump. It is. Uh, uh, <laughs> wow, nice. May is on. Also, I think gluten might actually provide you with like superpowers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think you're just picking films I know. This point, <laughs> I, I not. I mean, certainly not on purpose. Uh, again, like this was uh, in full like disclosure mode. Um, was made for my my fourth team. So, nice. <laughs> we we do a happy hour once a month, and we'll like talk about anything but work. And they they've come to like keyword countdown, so I make a game for them. So that's a very great nice. idea. Your um, remaining clues would have been ping pong, shrimp boat, mm. telling somebody to run, chocolate. <laughs> telling somebody Amazing. to run all right so by my reckoning that is 11 that's 15 points will i'm sorry to say um even with 10 points uh you are out of the running but you could still make it interesting you can close the gap mm -hmm. uh so here is our final film all right clue number one told in a flashback Hmm. Titanic. Oh my fucking god! Oh, it is. I was like, there's Those no way. Points. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is. Uh, I'm gonna have to put some kind of special graphic on the uh, yeah on the episode when I do the video edit. It is Titanic. Holy shit. <laughs> 
That's the only uh, one I know that would fit in that category too. So I got lucky. <laughs> wow. Nice. Excellent job. Yeah. Uh, the final real, clues man. were historical events, race against time, face slap, one word title, gambling, fire axe, dancing, diamond ne- necklace, and then sinking ship. That's yeah. always the giveaway clue at the end. Wow. Nice. Great job. Um, well, well played, Rotondi. It's all right. Hey, look, I got my two on the board. I'm happy. It's all you. <laughs> He's like, at least wasn't a shutout. <laughs> yep. No, that's that's a great. I mean, hey, listen, like that's the thing about keyword countdown is like uh sometimes it's not even like have I seen the movie or not or how well do I know it? It's just like those word associations uh sometimes like form a, a straight path in your brain to exactly what it is that somebody who's played this, and then other times you're like, I haven't got a single solitary clue what this is. So that is okay. Uh, but well done. <laughs> Well, let's draw our next film and skedaddle, shall we? Yay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give this a really good shuffle and then have my cheat sheet ready so I can see what we have. Ooh, it is another Who is the Real Villain? And let's see whose nomination this is. Those are always fun. All right. Uh, Will, this will be your final uh, pick in a row since you've gotten three. It seems like they're coming in threes lately. Um, <laughs> they are. Which, uh, that's, that's how it goes. Um, and it is your selection of Crimson Tide. So uh, very excited because I've never seen this, actually. Um, this is another first time watch. I know it's got James Gandolfini in it and Gene Hackman, of course, and Denzel, right? Like, that, I don't so, know about those... Gandolfini, but I definitely true for Gene Hackman and Denzel and uh, Denzel Washington, and I want to say V. Mortensen. Really nice. Say, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Awesome. Like I'm very excited. It's a submarine thriller, right? Like action thriller mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. I will right. watch any movie with Vigo, so I'm 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 hyped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing! I mean, big same. Honestly, he's. Uh... <laughs> since gotten like the recognition he deserves but he was in a lot of really cool interesting things kind of flew under the radar mm-hmm. um even before lord of the rings and just uh just continued to do interesting work so. yeah and you are correct um, about james gandolfini i couldn't remember who he was in the film but i see him showing up there so yeah the only reason i know is like every time this film comes up because my my stepdad uh joe who's an amazing guy like spent his entire navy career basically on submarines mm-hmm. um every time this movie comes up uh they talk about um, the fact that it's it's wild to see like pre-Sopranos like James Gandolfini uh, like yeah. in it, and I think he's a very different type of character in this. Uh, it's probably gonna make me a little sad because anytime I see him, I get a little sad. But he's mm-hmm. such a a massive talent lost, unfortunately, way too early. But um, I'm, I'm really yeah. much looking forward to this, man. You're also gonna have a little. I don't know which character he is in it from memory, but. Uh... And if I pronounce his name wrong, I apologize. George, is it Zunza? Who was in The Deer Hunter? Who played... Uh, oh. What was his name? He was the guy they left behind. He was taking a leak. He was John, I think. Wow, no, yeah. Uh, no. It's just, I'm, I'm scrolling through. Hey, look, I got pa- I threw Pablo under the bus. So I am like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna memorize some names next time. So you'll have a uh, whole like cast list committed to memory. I'd be like, <laughs> I know everyone. <laughs> Special shout out to uh to Pablo Rosso, who played Pablo um in 
Rick. I am very sorry. Respect uh, for your awesome job as the cameraman. So, I I also said uh, before we we skid out or saw rather that um uh, that uh, our uh, tall lanky uh, actor um, from Rec uh, Javier Botet was on Star Trek Discovery and coincidentally mm-hmm. played the title character in Slender Man as well. So, oh um, wow, lots of weird ways the universe lined up for us today. Yep. Uh, that about, about does it i i can't <laughs> wait to um to have yet another new movie this is like the good stuff like i, I love when i draw like a card for something i haven't seen because it's like mm-hmm. it eliminates some of that anxiety of like doom scrolling through netflix and prime and be like oh what are we gonna watch next exactly i have, nice. I have something i can kind of just target and, and enjoy so um we uh, thank you all for for uh, for joining me and audience. Thank you for hanging in uh, yet again uh, for another week's episode. We hope you're enjoying the show. Please engage with us on social media at ScreenQuestPod on Twitter, and of course, um, let us know uh, what did you make of Racket? Did you watch it? Did you like it? Were you scared? Uh, did you did you think that the uh, the dub was was bad? Uh, I, ho- I hope so because it was uh, it was pretty bad. But <laughs> uh, until next time, uh, we love you, and we'll see you next week. Bye, bye, guys. <laughs>